Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 128. And wait. Mm-hmm. Go. Step up to the break, we got team. land to Japan and everywhere in between. Get the up-to-date news on the wrestling team. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? From the fans to the fans, let me hit the crowd. Pop, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. So take a shot. Oh, so take, take a, a shot. shot. Everybody, welcome to another episode of A Shot of Wrestling. I am your host at Michael J. Putty. This is episode 128. If you are a loyal listener to the show, welcome back. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for your support. If this is your first time, welcome. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. But let us know how you heard about us. Inbox at shotofwrestling.com. Always curious to find out how people find out about our show. So let us know. And if you're my mother, the guy at the grocery store doesn't care that I host a wrestling podcast, ma. He doesn't watch wrestling. He's like 67 years old. Leave him alone, please. Ugh. She never listens to me. But anyway, I digress. Folks, we're only a few short weeks away from SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. So what better way to get hyped up and get prepared by watching an old SummerSlam in this week's wrestling replay. This week, SummerSlam, presented by Foot Locker, August 25th, 2002, Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, in front of a crowd of 14,797 your boy at Michael J. Putty was in attendance. However, I was not part of that total because I got in for free. I knew somebody who knew somebody. Didn't need a ticket. Just walked right in. So uh, I probably should admit that on air, but I just did. But it was a good show. Started off with Kurt Angle defeating Rey Mysterio via submission in 9 minutes, 20 seconds. Ric Flair defeated Chris Jericho via submission in 10 minutes, 22 seconds. Edge defeated Eddie Guerrero in 11 minutes, 50 seconds. The Un-Americans, which were Christian and Lance Storm, defeated Booker T and Goldust to retain the Tag Team Championships in 9 minutes, 37 seconds. Rob Van Dam defeated Chris Benoit to win the Intercontinental Championship in 16 minutes, 30 seconds. The Undertaker defeated Test in 8 minutes, 18 seconds. Shawn Michaels made his return and defeated Triple H in an unsanctioned street fight in 27 minutes, 50 seconds. And in your main event, Brock Lesnar defeated The Rock to win the Undisputed Championship in 15 minutes, 50 seconds. So that was that, folks. That was SummerSlam 2002. Pretty good show. But as you can tell by now, there's no guests this week. There's no Skype. Skype didn't want to give us a check or a sponsorship, so uh, we're not doing Skype this week. Mr. Rosado is still on vacation in North Carolina. Grimman's held up in his penthouse with his kid and his beautiful wife. So, folks, it's just me and you. It's been a while. Intimate one-on-one conversation. How are you guys doing? How's everything with you? Really? It's good to hear. Slash, that sucks. As for me... It's been a long, long week. I've had trouble sleeping. I always have trouble sleeping, but this, this past week I've had trouble breathing while I sleep. I'm not really congested. It just takes short baby breaths. Now it kind of freaked me out. It's not the first time. It's happened kind of more frequently as of late. So I went to the doctor. She tells me it's probably anxiety or that I'm congested and I don't know I'm congested. So she gave me a nasal spray. So far, so good. There I am laying, thinking I'm having a heart attack, thinking I'm, something's wrong with me, but it's just fucking anxiety or, or allergies. Last week I said I was dealing with allergies, but they cleared up, and all of a sudden apparently it's back, and I didn't even know it's back. So, uh, better be safe than sorry. Always go to your doctor, folks. No matter what it is, go to the doctor, check it out. But the week ended on kind of a high note. 
although I was very tired and looking forward to relaxing this weekend, my brother texted me and said he had an extra ticket to the Met game. His girl's friend got tickets from her company and he had an extra ticket, so he, you know, I, I decided to go. I've been to the Met game in a while, so let's go have some fun. Folks, friends, family, it was fourth row behind home plate, directly behind home plate. If you watched the Met game against the Braves on August 3rd, you saw your boy at Michael J. Putty on TV. Private club, free food, free drinks. This is how the other half lives. I can't go back to a Met game now. I'm spoiled. Man, it was fantastic. Of course, it was Jake DeGrom on the mound, pitched a beautiful performance. But of course, the Mets will lose. And uh, Jake DeGrom, the best player in Major League Baseball right now, has a losing record because the Mets suck. They can't support him. Oh, man. I feel really bad for that guy. Oh, man. This guy should have the best record in Major League Baseball, but he doesn't because the Mets suck. Also, during the last week, a friend of mine had a friend who was single, ready to mingle, saw your picture at Michael J. Putty and was like, who's this guy? Set us up. So I had to schlep into the city. I mean, it's not as bad as slipping to the Bronx, but it, it was still. I had to go to the city. It was me, a friend of mine, her random friend that she met in the city who was not supposed to even be there, her best friend, their coworker, and this girl. So like six people at the table. Three of them are dominating, outgoing, loud, boisterous personalities. They're taking over control of this conversation. This girl's not giving me any vibes. I'm not feeling anything from this girl. She's not giving me a look. I'm sitting right next to her, too. She's not even talking to me. So the next day rolls around. I haven't heard anything from this girl. I haven't heard anything from my friend about her friend saying something, blah, 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 blah. I feel like, I feel like I'm in eighth grade. All right? This is why you got to stay single, folks. That's why I don't miss about dating. This fucking drama and bullshit. They're playing it work out. Her loss. Your boy, at Michael J. Putty's a catch. So if you want to try to catch him, you know, slide into my DMs, at Michael J. Putty. But went to Dos Caminos in Times Square. Now, I don't eat Mexican food. I'm a very picky eater, right? But lately, I've been trying to expand my horizons a little bit. Mexican food, big leap. It's like diving to the deep end. So my friend tells me we're going to this Mexican restaurant. I'm like, oh, man. Mex- I don't eat Mexican, of course. Of all the restaurants in New York City, of all the restaurants in Times Square, we're going to a Mexican restaurant. She asked me, do you want me to tell them to switch it? I'm like, five people are going. At the time, it was four. Four people want Mexican. I'm not going to be that guy. You know, I want to ruin your plans. You already made reservations. I don't want to be that guy. I'll go. I'll find something. So I got the restaurant pouring over this menu. Of course, the dishes are in English. They're in Espanol. But, you know, yo soy hablé Espanol un poquito. But the descriptions are in English, thank God. There's a delicious pan-seared chicken. Boneless half chicken. I don't remember what it was covered in, what it came with, but it sounded delicious. But then everyone at the table was talking about getting tacos. Not only the fucking gringo gets fucking chicken while everyone's munching down on tacos. Right? Don't get the tacos. Chicken tacos sounds pretty good. You know, I don't eat tacos. I don't want the extra shit on it. If it's a plain taco, hell yeah. But I don't want the fucking guacamole. I don't want the tomato. I don't want the pico with the guy, y'all. So the guy finally comes to me. I make a last minute decision going with the chicken quesadilla. Man, oh man, was that delicious. Okay, so your boy, Amicle Party eats Mexican food now. So any ladies want to take me out on a date to a Mexican restaurant, that's a possibility now. Look at that slide into my DMs, at Amicle Party. I'm all about chicken quesadilla right now. Ooh, needs to go back. That was delicious. Delicious. Man, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Whew. That was my week in a nutshell. Enough about me. Green Man has an interview this week. With one of his favorites. One of the biggest names. One of the best names in the indie scene right now. Coast to coast. Former BCW world champion Joe Gacy. Sat down with Green Man this week. Side note. If you follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You noticed a couple months ago. I was at a BCW show at the world famous Elks Lodge. Green Man couldn't make it. It was just me, myself, and I. I took a picture with Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy is Green Man's favorite indie wrestler. Okay? Green Man loves Joe Gacy. But Joe Gacy has never taken a picture with Green Man. Took a picture of your boy at Michael J. Putty. 
So it kind of gave me some bragging rights. But finally, Green Man has even the odds. Sat down with Joe Gacy for an interview. So Green Man, take it away. All right, all right, all right. We are here on A Shot of Wrestling, and we have an exclusive interview with the pro wrestling maniac, Joe Gacy. My man, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing real good. This is a real exclusive interview because I actually don't think I've done uh, a podcast in a while now that I'm thinking about it. So let's get to know you a little bit better and start from the beginning. What made Mm -hmm. you decide to pursue a career in professional wrestling? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty easy answer. I would, I would think most people probably would answer it the same way. But um, as a kid, I, of course, fell in love with pro wrestling, watching, you know, old WWF, Monday Night Raw. Like, me and my brother used to stay up and watch it. And, uh, I mean, ever since that moment, that's, you know, I fell in love with wrestling as a whole and knew that one day that's what I was going to be doing. Then you started your career, you started your training with CZW. Um, How did that come around out of all the schools that are available, especially in our area, which is very dense with pro wrestling? Why CZW? Well, see, okay, so at the time, I don't know. It could be one of two things. Either one, maybe at the time there wasn't that many schools, or two, there was, and I just had no idea because I was very naive to the business at the time. Uh, This was 2006. Um, so I didn't know much. Um, you know, of course, me and my friends did the whole backyard thing, which was, you know, it was what it was. Most people nowadays started that way. And one thing led to another. Uh, in a nutshell, my brother um, had a job at a, a nuclear power plant in New Jersey. And um, at the time, another person that worked there turned out to be um, CZW's Lobo. So basically, one thing led to another. Um, they got to talking. Um, he ended up bringing like pretty much our whole crew to a CZW show show called, uh, was an afternoon of main events. Uh, it was the show right after cage of death seven, I believe. Um, so that was our first show going there together. And we got to meet the owner at the time, John Zandig from there. He basically recruited all of us to join his school. Wow. And, uh, that was, you know, pretty much the way it went. Now we met a little over, uh, I would say maybe year and a half, two years ago. Uh, and we're a little newer into the independent scene, so we didn't know too much of Joe Gacy and CCW. We met you at a BCW event, and we yep. didn't know you as a hardcore wrestler. Um, but later in the bar at the Elks Lodge, uh, you explained to me that you wanted to get away from the deathmatch wrestling style of wrestling. Yes. What mm-hmm. brought you to that change? So, um, so when I first joined the company, CCW, um, like, so, so the first guy I saw, like, on TV, like, back when it was on TV, was a guy named Sick Nick Mondo. To me, he was the embodiment of Combat Zone Wrestling. And me, of course, being a naive kid, like I said, um, that's, that's what I wanted to be. So joining wrestling, that was what I sought out to be. And then um, I learned a little bit about how, like, things work in the business and this and that and realized that if that's what I became – my body was not going to be able to hold up long enough for Mm -hmm. me to achieve what I would like to achieve. Um, And obviously that would be making a living off of this, whether that's, you know, just making a living or trying to get to like, you know, bigger companies. So it took me a little while to figure out like, okay, well, this isn't really what I should be doing. Um, Granted, I enjoyed everything that I did. There was a point where I was doing a lot of like the deathmatch stuff. 
And I guess you could say that a lot of people knew me for doing that at the time. But then like, I, I kind of did it. Like I was at the point where I wasn't going to achieve anything else doing it. I think I fulfilled everything that I wanted to do in that genre. So I basically took it upon myself to say, okay, well now I need to move on to the next thing, which is basically, you know, trying to get to the bigger companies and mm-hmm. make a living off of it. So, yeah. um, and again, it's, it's no knock to anybody that does it. Um, there are tons of guys who are great at it and I respect the hell out of them, especially me, you know, being somebody that has done minuscule amount of it compared to like some of the stuff these guys have done. I mean, yeah, it's definitely an awesome genre. I love to watch it, but, uh, I feel like at this point in my career, definitely trying to stay away from it. Now, if we're starting early in your career to now, you've had gone through a few monikers or nicknames. Many refer to you as Sloppy Joe, Chainsaw Joe Gacy, <laughs> Pro Wrestling Maniac. How do you feel about these nicknames? Um, so the only so the only nickname that was given to me was Sloppy Joe. Um, okay. So that was given to me by uh, the CZW fans at the time. At the time, I would uh, attempt moves that I thought I could do, but uh, couldn't. So sometimes they would not end up as crisp as I would hope. Um, So it dubbed the term Sloppy Joe, basically. As far as Chainsaw Joe Gacy, that pretty much came from me being an avid horror movie fan. I decided to call myself, you know, Chainsaw Joe Gacy. And then, like, I think a lot of people affiliated that with my old self doing death matches and this and that. So that's honestly one of the main reasons I changed it into the Pro Wrestling Maniac. So, yes, I did start calling myself the Pro Wrestling Maniac. But, uh, I mean, isn't that how any pro wrestler gets their moniker, I guess? Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> with Chainsaw Joe Gacy and being a horror movie fan, what is your favorite horror movie? Oh, that that's tough. Um of all time, I would probably have to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Um, it used to be Halloween. Did you like the remakes? Not really, to be honest. I was not never a big fan. I'm not a big fan of remakes in general. Okay. Um, there's maybe a handful of remakes that I do enjoy, but uh, anything like anything that remakes like an iconic character like that, I'm not a fan of. Yep. Uh- we it, we say it a lot on the show. Uh, it's kind of become our tagline, but wrestling brings people together. And you have shared the ring with some of the very best of the independent scene and, and even bigger mm-hmm. main stage names. I mean, names like we could throw out Anthony Gangone, Mike Orlando, Nick Gage, um, mm-hmm. James Storm, Martin Stone, Austin Theory, Shane Strickland, MJF, Ben Finley, uh, yep. Brian Cage recently. uh and that's just to name a few. So who has yeah. been in all the lists of everybody that you face, your toughest opponent? And for anyone searching the web, what would you say is your favorite match that fans need to go watch of yours? Uh, so toughest opponent, um, I mean, Fit Finley is definitely up there. But that match was also a triple threat match I did. Um, it was me, Fit Finley, and Brody Lee, uh, now Luke Harper. So that was... Um, I, I chipped my tooth in that match. Um, hmm. So that, that's something that has a long lasting um, thing, you know, yeah. on my body. But um, as far as like toughest, like I would say toughest hard hitting. I mean, definitely Nick Gage is always up there. Um, but also in a sense, he's tough and hard hitting. That's also one of my funnest matches I've ever done. So, I mean, you could say anything that I've done with Gage. I've only wrestled him two times now. 
Um, one of them is on YouTube. You can, you know, if you're a fan and you want to see something like that, you can definitely go out of your way to see that. But I will say, if there's anything that I could say to a fan, like this is one of my favorite matches I would like you to watch, I would have to say it definitely would be me versus Martin Stone from uh, the debut show from Standalone Wrestling. Uh, To date, that is one of my all-time favorite matches. He literally wrestles the style that I just love. Um, as I mean, as we were talking about earlier, I, I love William Regal. So like he has that, mm. you know, British style. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I have, fall, have fallen in love with in wrestling lately. Yeah. So it, it was it was a great match. It was Thank um, you. standalone's inaugural event and you were the main event and you earned that main event spot. Uh, so if anybody was in the stands and us as fans were watching, we're like, oh, this match is stealing the night. This match is stealing the night. And we get to the main event. And the main event was the main event. There was nothing going to steal it from you guys. You guys had a great story being told in the ring, the back and forth action. And I think the respect afterwards mm-hmm. uh, from Martin Stone to you and, you know, just praising you on the match. That's that must have felt really good. It honestly did. And um, I don't know how many people that is listening to this um, has seen the match or maybe you'll get a chance to go see it. Um, he did tell a story about how me and him met. Um, after the match and it's it was a 100% true story that um, Mania Week in Orlando uh, a few years back he was at a show that I was on at a nightclub and uh, he happened to just watch my match and pulled me aside after and just told me he loved everything I did for him to like actually get on the microphone and say that in front of a whole crowd of people did mean a lot to me Um, also that being like you know close to one of his last uh, appearances on the independent Mm -hmm. like shows so I mean to me that that was definitely one of my favorite moments in wrestling yeah for sure. I totally understand why. Now, early on in your career, you were mixing it up with also top talent may not have been as big a top talents as they are now. But if we go back to Switchblade Conspiracy for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, you were mixing it up with Sammy Callahan and Dean Ambrose. So what brought <laughs> you guys all together? Uh, what brought us together? Um, so that was kind of a weird, situ- not like a bad situation. But um, so Sammy Callahan found his way to Combat Zone Wrestling. Um, this must have been... 2008 i want to say so at the time i was in a tag team called um gnc which uh me and uh alex cologne mm-hmm. and things were like we like we were making kind of like some progress but we were also like our first year year and a half into the business um so i guess long story short the tag team didn't work out so much and me and sammy actually became pretty good friends at the time so we were actually hanging out a lot um, and then he had this idea. He was like, hey, so I'm going to pitch this guy from the Midwest named John Moxley to come into CZW. Um, so apparently he talked to Zandig about it and mm-hmm. Zandig loved it. Uh, and then the night Moxley debuted for CZW was basically the start of it. Um, funny story that I don't think a lot of people know. Um, I did not witness this, but something I heard was that the night John Moxley debuted for CZW, it was like a spot where he pretty much like came out of the crowd and like tried to fight somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, Zandig was up on the balcony in the uh, the ECW arena in Philly, okay. uh, and he said he looked down and just said, "That's going to be the guy that Vince steals from us." Oh fuck! <laughs> and that's you know obviously where is he at now? So. Yeah. Well, you know we're gonna go off track for a little bit because it's an interesting sure. story. Um, but how do you feel about that? How do you feel about? the wwe taking a lot of the big stars that are making it 
in the independent scene. And the reason I ask is because how would you how do you feel now with the big Cody Rhodes Young Bucks movement where, you know, these are the guys that, you know, kind of felt rejected by the WWE and creative and now are making a bigger impact in the professional wrestling scene. So, I mean, you could definitely go either way with it. Um, I mean, me personally, I love that WWE is doing what they're doing. I mean, it makes their product, I think, um, a lot more versatile, like taking these guys that have been wrestling for so long already and bringing them in rather than taking guys that know nothing about wrestling and just training them to wrestle. Like, I think it makes the, the product a lot different and in the best way possible. I mean, realistically, like, I think everyone knew this was going to happen. The independent, like, wrestling scene has pretty much gotten as big as it's ever been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, And, you know, WWE has noticed. Um, So, obviously, they're going to take these guys who are already stars and just give them a bigger platform. I mean, honestly, for those guys, I, I couldn't be happier. You know, they're obviously, you know, getting paid pretty well to do what they love to do. WWE, I feel like, has grown from it also. I mean, it's the product's a lot different. Like, if you watch how it is today compare it to the 80s 90s or early 2000s it's completely different but yeah i think it's great and also like on the other side like you know you bring up cody and the young bucks so like i don't think anyone ever expected anyone to ever do what they're doing especially like independent wrestling like especially somebody like cody to walk away from you know basically the biggest company in the world right for professional wrestling and deciding that he, he he's okay with leaving that comfort of you know uh a cushy life i guess you could say not saying that you know he doesn't live that still but like he basically left i would say a comfort zone in order to come out and basically make a new name for himself which i 100 percent respect the hell out of somebody that would do that and now like them and you know him and the young bucks and the bullet club and basically they blew up into like a crazy sensation that is all over the world also and now they like just sold out you know an arena for a show that they are running so bravo to them and i mean i hope that they were you know do more have after this show i'm sure will be successful hopefully they'll do another one and maybe you know it'll turn into something else who knows i mean i think it's great i think I think everyone succeeding the way they are is just making pro wrestling thrive as a whole. So, you know, I only want success for everybody that, you know, basically goes for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, Is there anybody that you've faced off or is there anybody that you see out in the independent scene um, that you could see as the next person that Vince would steal? Um, Right now? um, Hmm. Like, who, who else? I mean, I think there's a lot of women right now that could be picked up. Um, I think like that's probably of, where uh, the next move for the WWE will be. Is that I think you it will, is. That you will see a lot more of the women in the independent scene getting picked up and creating names for themselves up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with the yeah. whole women's movement that they're pushing, which, again, has started in the independent scene, you know? Yeah, 100%. Now, um I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, it's okay if you can't think of, of a name. Um, you could throw yourself in there. Uh, sure, sure. Right? You're one. <laughs> you're mean, you're the name. The you're the name that they got their eye on. That next name that they're gonna pick up, and I strongly believe it. Um, ever since I saw you in action, but many um, who see you in action would say that you are one of the most underrated talents in the independent scene. Do you agree well, with that you. statement? Um. I mean, I, a lot of people tell me I am, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell everyone like, Oh, I'm very underrated, but like, I like to believe I work hard at what I do and, um, would like opportunity 
the companies I would like to see myself in. So that's that's really, I guess, all I can say about it. Um, am I underrated? Maybe. Uh, but that's honestly not for me to say. Is there anything that you're doing in 2018? We're halfway through it right now that will make a better opportunity for you by the end of the year? Well, it's not 100% confirmed yet, um, but I am supposed to be going back to Europe mm -hmm. or England, more specifically, sorry, the UK. So I'll be going back to England, hopefully for a longer stay. I did go in May. Um, I did one show for a company called uh, IPW UK, yep. which is a great company. I had a great time over there. I had an awesome match with a guy named Mark, Mark Haskins. Um, so, and apparently like everyone there, like loved it and liked me a lot. So uh, I spoke with them and he, they're definitely going to bring me back. He said, hopefully before the end of the year. So I'm hoping to go back there. Um, honestly, my goal right now is to just make uh, moves um in other countries honestly like england was always a bucket list thing for me so at least i got to do it once yeah but i would love to you know go there um i'd love to make it to other places definitely germany um germany is like a big thing for me that i want to do one day i mean as far as the rest of the year that's probably i mean besides the uh the big boardwalk beatdown thing this month um and some other stuff some other shows that you know i'll be at i think england's probably the big thing for me before the end of the year i hope do you uh, see yourself interested in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Absolutely. If uh, if an opportunity arose or if I had any chance to, you know, get in front of anybody there, um, I would definitely take them up on it. Cool. Now, you mentioned Boardwalk Beatdown. It's going to be yes. their Night of Champions. Breakout mm -hmm. is uh, the name of the show. We've, we've talked about you being the top tier of the independent scene and standalone wrestling. It's putting you back again on that top tier uh, to fight – in the tournament of champions, how do you feel about your opponents? Because you're going to be going. I mean, the names are great, amazing in this match. You got Demarcus mm -hmm. Kane, uh, Matt Riddle, yourself, Ryan Galeone. Big names to be the first ever uh, standalone wrestling champion. It's true. Um, I'm very excited. Um, I've never have been in the ring with Demarcus Kane, um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, one time, I've been in the ring with Ryan Galeone. Um, he's definitely a very versatile wrestler. He's a big dude. He is a big dude, but he's also very like agile, mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy. Um, and then of course the one guy that, uh, keeps escaping me that I've been wanting to <laughs> wrestle is Matt Riddle. Um, so I mean, it seems like this is going to be my one and last chance for me to get in the ring with him, at least for a while. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've been, I've been trying to get a one-on-one -on -one with Matt Riddle, but that, has not come to fruition. So I'll have to take this four way. <laughs> yeah. You may not have much time left to that. Yeah. So, yep. uh, you were my favorite BCW champion, you know, that's our <laughs> home promotion right in our backyard. And we always tell everybody, if you want to see the best wrestling outside of the WWE, you don't have to go far. Just look into your backyard and I'm sure you'll find the next top stars. Um, the match you had with Mike Orlando there was one of my favorites, to be honest with you. People were so invested in that match. It, it was amazing. Yeah. It truly was amazing. And you left as champion. And the first mm -hmm. thing you did was you, you put an SOW <laughs> shirt on, which was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was a cold night. The green man was there for you. <laughs> I know. I remember and I'll never forget it. <laughs> 
while we're talking about championships, I mean, you have been you've held the CZW Wire Championship on three separate occasions, mm-hmm. uh, the CZW Heavyweight Championship on two occasions. Now, for someone mm-hmm. uh, who trained for the company, um, who went there and saw the action and had a lot of idols in that group, how how did it feel to become not just the Wire Champion but the Heavyweight Champion? So the Wire Championship was a very big deal to me when I won it the first time, and then. The heavyweight title, honestly, was the culmination of a lot of emotions. Um, Basically, I had a a very rough couple months leading into that. Um, There was actually a point in time where I thought about leaving the company. Really? Um, Yeah. Um, And then, uh, I don't know, one thing led to another, and I had my moment in the sun, I guess you could say. Um, I had uh, the match with Jonathan Gresham at Cage of Death. And, uh, and then I won the belt and it honestly, like there was a part of me that didn't feel like it was going to happen until it actually did. And then it kind of like when the, the bell rang and my music started and I got announced the champion, I actually like, if you ever watched the video, I looked down and actually was in disbelief that, uh, I achieved the goal that I set out to do ever since I stepped in a CZW ring. So it was a very good moment for me. Are titles really important in professional wrestling as a wrestler? Um, because we could talk about, you know, a booker is going to book the right matches and they're going to create their champion, the backstage politics around it. So does a championship really mean something? I mean, I believe it does. I'm not going to be one of these guys that, you know, walk around and flaunt a title belt. Um, I mean, there's people that say a title belt is a prop, but... Mm-hmm. To me, being a champion is a represent being a representative of the company that you are champion for. So that means that there is somebody or a team of people that put that belief in you that they are okay with you being the face of their vision. So to me, it's a big deal. I mean, anyone who's you know starts wrestling, they dream to be the champion somewhere. So for somebody to put that much faith in you um, to pretty much put a company on your back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that means a lot, I think. And uh, I mean, also, like, depending on the company, um, there's people that need this big deal. So being a champion there is basically, you know, representing that company. Like, you have their name on you. So that can definitely, you know, help you out in other ways also. Yeah, the second time now that you won the championship was for just a few moments. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Two-time CZW heavyweight champion, but that's... We'll call, we'll call it like one and a half. <laughs> How did that feel? Uh, because we could talk about what people mostly know, um, the uh. WWE, and they have someone coming in, and they will call them a transitional champion. Um, mm. So how do you feel about being the transitional champion the second time uh, around? I mean, it was what it was. It it, it, it was something that served a purpose, and... Uh... It was totally okay. Uh, I mean, there was talk of things going a little differently, but because of the direction things were supposed to go, that was the best way to get there. So, so it's fine. <laughs> How do you feel the uh, where the direction of CZW is going right now? Because there definitely has been a change, and a lot of fans have been Big vocal changes. about the changes. Uh, they have been vocal. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and you know shove things down people's throats but czw is definitely a very different company than it used to be some people are deciding to not follow it anymore because it's not what it was um but you know when when a company has been around for as long as a company like czw has you can't just keep doing the same thing it doesn't work you have to try new things change things up a little bit um 
I mean, realistically, you have to let yourself sink or swim. Um, but I will say this. I will leave people with this on that subject. Um, now, imagine when, you know, if you're a fan listening to this, I'm speaking to you, if you're a CCW fan. Imagine when you first saw Combat Zone Wrestling, like, for the very first time, and it's just a roster full of guys you've never seen, you've never heard of, nothing like that. You, you were... You are interested in learning. Uh, all I ask is fans right now. There's a lot of guys on the roster that are new, fresh, young faces. Um, give them a chance and try to learn about them and see where they go instead of um, sticking your nose up at them, I guess, is the best way to say it. I agree. Um, as I'm talking to more and more people and seeing more of the product progressing, you know, my initial reaction of... You know, things are changing, not for the better mm-hmm. with CZW is starting to change. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot to your point. Like, you got to give those new guys a chance. And as wrestling fans, as independent wrestling fans, that's what we're all about. We're all about giving mm-hmm. someone a chance, giving them the opportunity to prove themselves because they are going to be that next big star. That Then we're going to turn and be upset that the WWE just took someone else away from me. You know, some of that homegrown talent. But it feels like, you know, CZW is at the rebirth again, where it's like it's starting to grow that new crop of talent. And, you know, at first I I wasn't a fan of it. I'm starting to get interested again into what CZW is becoming. And it's exciting. It really is. It is. I mean, I think that's what it is. Um, I think a lot of the fans that complain um, have that nostalgia where they they see CZW in one way where it was like the best time of their life because maybe they were at a different point in their life. Mm. So it was just like, it was great for them at that time, but like, you can't, you can't just have the same thing over and over again. So I mean, exactly what you said, it's basically a rebirth. Um, it's CZW starting over in a way. Now I'm not sitting here and saying, um, cause I know there's a lot of like things going on in the world of wrestling and I don't know if anyone even really understands, but there's, you know, some silly drama going on between, you know, certain wrestling promotions. Um, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, like be a fan, don't, you know, you don't have to pick sides, uh, between companies that maybe don't like each other. If you're a wrestling fan, be a wrestling fan and, you know, support what you like and enjoy what you watch. Now you, do you keep track of the stats? Because PWI 500 wrestlers in 2017 <laughs> marked you as 234. That it's just one away. I mean, the name Lindsay Dorado is right below you. you I know. Sh- I, I saw that. I, I know Lindsay Dorado, and I uh, I made fun of him. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty awesome. When you started in 2011, you were 441. Mm-hmm. So you've come a long way. I mean, that's over a little bit over 200 people you just jumped over in the few years. Uh, and you know, does what? that matter to you at all? It, it does. There. So I'll explain before there's people listening going, oh, what a mark. Um, <laughs> so like, I know, I know the 500 list is complete crap, like not crap, but like it's, you know, there's no real statistics behind it. It's basically whoever's putting it together that year ranks people who they where they think they should be um but i mean me being that far up there like basically what what number was i again two something two, uh, 234 so i'm past the midway point mm-hmm. which to me is like a, it's a big deal like i don't care my actual number but like to be on a list and especially that high that's that's a big deal for me it's pretty awesome i i agree i i think you've been making moves i mean if like you said it 
it could be bullshit, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just based on, on a group of people deciding who you are. But also your body of work that you're putting in year after year and the matches that you're putting together, they speak to someone. And even mm-hmm. if it's that small group that's moving you up on the list, you know, that's a fan base. And, and like I said, I, if you haven't if we haven't seen you in action, you're missing out on Joe fucking Gacy because... <laughs> In ring, you you're above the rest, in my opinion. Well, thank um, you. We got to see you uh, WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was how was WrestleMania for you? New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans was the best time of my life. Yeah, it was the, yeah, the longest so weekend of my life. By the way, the longest. <laughs> oh my god! The one time we saw yeah. you, uh, you were you seemed so tired. I can't remember where we were, <laughs> but I just remember seeing you going, "Oh man, you look like you could use some rest." <laughs> Um, I'm sure I did. No, I mean that um, that week we were there was a great time. Um, I checked another thing off my bucket list: uh, wrestling for Kaiju Big Battle. Oh, wow. that was fantastic! Yeah, that was a great week. I've never been. I've never been to New Orleans, so that was a great experience for me. So you mentioned the bucket list earlier. Who is on your bucket list of opponents? Any top opponents that you want to face off against? I would love to do David Starr. Which mm. we did do one time before, but it was so long ago that I would like to do it again. Uh, but my big one right now would be Steve Blackman. Mm. Okay, I want I want Steve Blackman. People are calling people out. I want to wrestle Steve Blackman. Okay, you heard it here. <laughs> a shot of wrestling. Book it. Uh, Somebody book it. I always I always like to ask this, but if you uh, who you are now, the pro wrestling mm-hmm. maniac. Joe Gacy, if you were to put yourself in the WWE in a major storyline, what storyline currently would you uh, want to be part of? I mean, I feel like realistically, if 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 I was kept the same way I am now, realistically, I would have to do something with Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Oh, yes, yes. Like realistically, that's where I would see it going. Now, in the business, I'm I'm sure you've had many mentors and friends. Who who right now currently do you consider your biggest mentor and your closest mm-hmm. friend? the mentor um so this is actually going to be kind of weird i don't i don't think i currently have like a mentor i actually used to um but like lately i've kind of just been about handling things myself i guess okay um i do have a lot of friends uh closest right now would probably be a guy named alexander james Mm -hmm. um and of course the rep uh nate carter and dave paul cool um Yes, absolutely. Um, there, I mean, as of right now in wrestling, they're probably my closest friends. Um, also, Greg Excellent. Mm. Um, I mean, if, if anybody, I, I would say Greg Excellent might be the closest thing I have to a mentor at the moment. Any problems I have, I usually go to him for anybody. So he usually gives me good advice. Do you see yourself mentoring the younger crop of superstars now that you've been in the business a few years? Um, actually, yes. Um, I don't think it's been really publicly announced yet but beginning next week i will be taking over training at the czw school shut the fuck up that's awesome so i will actually be an official head trainer there um (laughs) so i'll be uh to be a professional wrestler i might just need to go to czw right now there you go um so i'll be doing that thank you thank you very much i'm looking forward to it um it's i mean I've, i've had hands in training but i've never like really taken over something like this before um so i'm looking forward to it I think it's going to be a good time. And I can pass on my knowledge I have to other people. So I'm looking forward to it. Good times. Good times. And the best <laughs> times, Joe, are going to come uh-huh. the weekend of Boardwalk Beatdown, which I is August 24th and 25th. I think it's one of the greatest things that's happening in our area in a long time. Can you I agree. agree with that, right? I mean, it's yes. just 
the amount of people that are going to be attending this convention and the card, like we mentioned earlier, that Standalone Wrestling is putting together after the convention mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, I mean, all of their shows they put together so far. I mean, this is you know only their third one, but everything they put together has been like amazing so far. So I'm looking forward to it. August 24th and 25th, Boardwalk Beatdown. We have Dinners with the Stars. Hopefully... We'll see you at dinner with the stars. I'm telling you. I, uh, I would like to be there, so I'm going to try. Shot of Wrestling will be there, hoping to coax our friends, the Boulevard Bullies, to come on down, and we'll have a great time. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. We're wrapping up our time, so if there's anything you want to tell the professional wrestling community about Joe Gacy, what would it be? Um, I guess all I could say is, if you're in wrestling, if you're not in wrestling, if you are just the person going through a hard time in life, don't uh, don't give up on yourself because I almost did, and I almost walked away from pro wrestling before. I don't know if you know this. Either. No. Oh. Um, there was a point in time where I was kind of so down, I almost left wrestling, and I stuck around. I gritted my teeth, and I got through hard times. And mm-hmm. now, honestly... Uh, I am 100% happy I didn't leave because I'm in such a good place now that I um, would have I I wouldn't have known what could have came if I left. What year so, was that? When the, when was that going on? Whew, maybe 2012, 2013. Okay, early on, on in the period. career. Yeah. So if you're in wrestling and you're you know you're you're feeling down, just keep grinding, keep you know doing what you do, and eventually you get to where you want to go. Um, but you can apply that to everyday life also. If you're somebody that is feeling down about life, don't give up. You know, Keep grinding away, and eventually you'll get to where you want to be. Awesome. And with that message, I'm sure everybody wants to follow Joe Gacy on social media. So where I love can we do followers. that? <laughs> um, so social media, um, I would put my Facebook out there, but I'm at Maximum Capacity Friends. Wow. And I still have 500 requests. <laughs> That uh, I have not approved. So if you are waiting on a friend request from me, I apologize. I am at capacity. You can follow me on Twitter, um, just at Joe Gacy. Very simple. Um, or Instagram, you can follow me at Joe underscore Gacy. Um, I also now have a new YouTube channel I'm trying to get subscribers at. I believe if you just search Joe Gacy, it should come up. I'm honestly not sure if there's an address for that. And that's really all I have. Joe, it was a pleasure. Thanks for spending some time with us and letting us in to world of, of professional wrestling. And on that note, we'll get through the news and some Raw and SmackDown cheers and heels, and then we'll talk some more with Joe Gacy. Thanks, brother. No problem. Thank you. Stay tuned to the end of the episode with Last Call with the pro wrestling maniac, Joe Gacy. <laughs> it's In the News with Michael J. Putty. Let's get into the news this week. After the show was done, sent the legal team to review. The news broke last Sunday of three deaths in the wrestling industry, which whew, three in such a short period of time, three in one day, it sucks. You know, we're used to people dying, unfortunately, in this industry. But three in one day, that's hard to swallow, man. Let's start it off. Hall of Famer Nikolai Volkov passed away at the age of 70 at his home 
only days after being released from a hospital in Maryland where he had been treated for dehydration and other issues. As of this recording, his cause of death has not been released yet, so we do not know what happened to him. We'll keep you updated. But anyway, his real name was Joseph Nikolai Persovic. He was born in 1947 in Croatia and experienced his most success in the WWE where he teamed with the Iron Sheik from 1985 until 1997. Together, they won the Tag Team Championship at WrestleMania 1. He was also famously teamed with Boris Zukov to form the Bolsheviks. Now, we here at Shadow Wrestling extend our condolences to Nikolai Volkov's family and friends at this time of loss. Nikolai, thank you for everything. The tributes have been flowing, and this guy was not only awesome in the ring, he was a sweetheart outside the ring, so this is going to be a big loss to the wrestling community. Raw started out with a, this splash page in memoriam to him, but, however, they put together a classic tribute video package for him. For some reason, they didn't air it. We're going to air it for you now. So let's take it away. This week, WWE celebrates the life and career of Joseph Perusovic, better known to the WWE Universe as Nikolai Volkov. As a young man, Joseph would leave the former Republic of Yugoslavia with no money or knowledge of the English language to head to the West in search of freedom. Eventually, Joseph would make his way to Calgary, where he would meet his mentor, the legendary trainer Stu Hart. Joseph would emerge in WWE as the fiery Russian Nikolai Volkov and quickly skyrocket to the top, breaking box office records at Madison Square Garden in a rivalry with the living legend Bruno Sammartino and battling the WWE's living embodiment of Americana, Hulk Hogan, at the height of Hulkamania. Volkov would go on to find his greatest success in the tag team ranks, teaming with the Iron Sheik, managed by classy Freddie Blassie, the dastardly duo would shock the world as they captured the tag team championships at WrestleMania 1 from the U.S. Express and revel in ridiculing their American adversaries with Volkov's signature performance of the Soviet National Anthem. After nearly 20 years of being jeered as a reviled villain, Volkov was finally cheered when he teamed up with the patriotic hacksaw Jim Duggan, embracing his true love of America. And in the end, the WWE Universe embraced Nikolai right back, allowing him to retire as a hero, joining the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005. After a career entertaining millions both on screen and behind the scenes, Nikolai Volkov passed away this past weekend at the age of 70. We at WWE wish to send our deepest sympathies to his family, friends, and loved ones. Nikolai will forever be remembered as one of the most enduring personalities in WWE history. Great job to the WWE team. Again, rest in peace. Thank you for everything. But moving on, the news broke the same day that Brickhouse Brown died following a long battle with cancer at the age of 57. Now, Brown was trained by Terry Funk and joined the National Wrestling Alliance in 1983. He captured the NWA Southeastern Tag Team Championship with his partner, Norval Austin. He then moved on to the Championship Wrestling Association in Memphis in 1987, feuding with the likes of Terry Funk, Scott Steiner, Jerry Lawler, Robert Fuller, and the Stud Stable. 
He had three, count them, three USWA World Tag Team Championship reigns and a run with the USWA Television Championship and the WCWA Texas Heavyweight Championship. Now, back in April 2017, he announced he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, stage four. And back more recently in May 2018, he said the cancer had spread to his brain despite treatment that impaired his eyesight and reduced his weight to 150 pounds. Several Southern Promotions held benefit shows to help pay his medical bills, and the Cauliflower Alley Club helped pay his rent. Now, we here at Shaw Wrestling, once again, offer our condolences to the Brown family and his friends. Rest in peace. That wasn't enough. Former professional wrestler and promoter Tracy Cadell passed away as well. Cadell was big in the scene, especially in North Carolina, and was a family member of the Omega promotion, which helped launch the career of the Hardys, Hurricane Helms, and many, many more. He's also the father of Trevor Lee over in Impact Wrestling. So once again, for the third time, I hate to say this, we here at Shutter Wrestling offer condolences to his family and friends. Now moving on, the big news was the passing of Grandmaster Sexton Brian Christopher, who passed away at the age of only 46. He was found hanging in his jail cell and was rushed to the hospital where he was unable to breathe on his own and he was put on life support until his father, Jerry the King Lawler, was able to come and kiss his son goodbye. Sad, sad story here. Memphis Wrestling provided some details. They said, and I quote, Brian was rushed to the hospital after he was found hanging in a cell in the Harlem County Jail where he was being held on DUI charges and evading arrest since early July. At the hospital, he was unable to breathe on his own. He was placed on a medical ventilator. And according to Paula Lawler, they kept Brian alive until Jerry could get there to kiss him goodbye. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation announced that at the request of Mark Davidson, the 25th District Attorney General, they have an ongoing investigation into the events surrounding Christopher's death. The Hardham County Sheriff John Doolin released a statement noting that he was placed in a cell by himself because of his notoriety. And the department had no indication that he was suicidal and he was not even placed on suicide watch. So what happened? Hopefully this investigation will turn out something. Jerry Lawler spoke to Fox 13 in Memphis, making his first comments after the passing of his son, saying that he rushed back from independent booking in North Carolina once he heard the news of his son, and he was glad to hold his son's hand one more time. Lawler said his family has been so appreciative of the support from his friends and fans. He has heard like from thousands of people, he said. He also commented on the ongoing investigation to his son's death, saying, there may be more to this than meets the eye. Now, I've debated all week on whether or not I should talk about this part. But just thinking about it, it just gets me fired up. It gets it eats away at me. You know, I feel like I just have to get it out. Low life never was. New Jack took to Twitter and Facebook to post some extremely, extremely disrespectful comments about Brian Christopher and even his father, Jerry Lawler. On Twitter, he said, Jerry Lawler, now that your son is dead, why don't you go join him, you sorry fuck? Fuck Brian Christopher. Fuck Jerry Lawler. Fuck every one of you fans who like these two cocksuckers. I don't give a fuck about none of you motherfuckers. That wasn't classy enough. He took to Facebook saying, this might not set too well with some of y'all, but I could give less than two fucks. But I wrestled in the USW with Brian Christopher in 1992, and he was a very little disrespectful fucker then. So fuck him and his fuck his daddy. And for those of you who don't like my post, fuck you too. Now, first of all, fuck you. And it goes back to the thing I was taught as a kid. If you have nothing not to say, don't say anything at all. Now, he might not have liked Brian Christopher for whatever personal reason from what, 20-something years ago. But, you know, there's a thing called respect. And out of respect for his family, his fans, his friends, you know, just keep your fucking mouth shut. There's a time and place for everything, and this certainly was not the time. So fuck this never been. New Jack. Who the fuck's New Jack? I don't give a fuck. Well, the answer is nobody. He's a nobody. I've been doing this show for 120 episodes. The name New Jack has never come out of my mouth once. 
Okay, this is the first time I mentioning a guy called New Jack. And the more than likely to be the last time I talk about New Jack until I have to report about him dying from sort of overdose, some sort of accident, or him fucking killing himself. So fuck you, you worthless piece of shit. Go crawl back under the rock where the fuck you came from. Fuck you. And there's a bunch of nice people in the world and there's people like fucking this guy. So fuck him. Let's move on. Let's end the story about Brian Christopher on somewhat of a positive, lighter note. Dan McDevitt released a statement. He was a promoter at West Virginia and revealed on his Facebook the generosity of Brian Christopher in the months after his departure from WWE. He said, and I quote, I try only to judge people on how they treated me. One of the first times I ever met Grand Master Sexy Brian Christopher is when he worked for me in Paul, Paul, West Virginia, a town seemingly in the middle of nowhere. The show absolutely bombed. And he was fresh off WWE TV and was at the time very over just coming off his run with Too Cool. That meant his price was very steep, several thousand dollars. He went to the ring and worked as hard in front of 100 people as he would have if there were 3,000 people in that building. I paid him, shook his hand, and thanked him. Well, as we were dealing with the end of the show stuff, he walked up to me and handed me an envelope and had over half the money in it that we paid him. He said to me, I've been around this business my whole life. I know you guys lost your ass here tonight. Take this back, plus in the blow, and make it up for me somewhere down the road. In 25 years of pro wrestling, he's the only star to have ever done that. Get his demons, but that's how I remember him. That's how he treated me as a good, kind-hearted dude. So once again, in conclusion, we here at a Shutter Wrestling offer our condolences to Jerry Lawler, his family, and friends. May Brian Christopher rest in peace. Another news. According to TMZ.com, John Cena and Nikki Bella have officially broken up, and it appears as though they won't be getting back together any time soon, if ever. TMZ's report notes that it's not a storyline for Total Bellas or Total Divas, and that Cena and Nikki have both been telling people close to them they have officially broken up in real life, and she's in the process of moving out of his house, and they are both pursuing their own respective careers moving forward. So how long until Dolph Ziggler jumps on that, you know what I'm saying? You know the news. In an update to Daniel Bryan's contract negotiations with the WWE, he has reportedly not signed a new deal as of yet. They have taken him off some weekend shows as his request to be, you know, take part of a lighter schedule. Something he's interested in if he ends up staying with the WWE. I've talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know how you guys feel, but him leaving the WWE for after all they've done for him, it's kind of a dick move, okay? They're letting you wrestle. They can do whatever the fuck you want. Turn your back on them now. It's kind of a dick move. So hopefully this works out. Hopefully he stays with WWE. I just think it's the right move for him. You know the news. This week, the W finished announcing the field of all 32 competitors for the May Young Classic. But, however, one of the final names that stood out to me as somewhat of a surprise was former five-time TNA knockout champion Madison Rain, who will now be competing as Ashley Rain. Here we are in the beginning of August, just what, a month ago? Not even a month ago. She appeared on Slammiversary there, WrestleMania. And now she's with the WWE's the May Young Classic. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know, Madison Rain has won me over, so this is a good pickup. Excited to see how she does in this competition. See how far she goes. Or if she ends up signing with the WWE itself, that'd be cool. Great pickup for them. Burning through the news because there's a lot of choosing hill to get to. Looking forward to that segment. Owen Hart got inducted into the George Tragaz Luthez National Wrestling Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa. Accepting on his behalf was his brother Bruce, Keith, and Ross, his sister Diana, and his nephew Harry Smith. Now this is the third Hall of Fame Owen Hart's been inducted to. He was inducted into the Legends Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame back in 2011. The Prairie Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame in 2010. He was inducted twice in the Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame, both as an individual and as part of the Hart family. Yeah, you know, there's still one Hall of Fame notably absent from this list. Hopefully people can work things out so he can deservedly take his place into the WWE Hall of Fame. Enough of this bullshit already. Come on. But finally, in other news, let's end on some positive news, some highlights. Kane won his electoral bid to become mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. We've been following the story closely ever since he announced his candidacy. 
the current mayor is running for uh, Congress, so it's vacated. And he, he had nearly two-thirds of the vote. More than 80,000 total ballots were cast. He had two-thirds of them. Kane officially will be sworn on, on September 1st. And as a reported a couple weeks ago, you know, he's not ruled out. Special appearances into the ring. So it could be updated. But congratulations to Kane. And, uh, good luck, my man. That's how you do it, folks. You start with something small, like a mayor. Then maybe something else. Maybe a congressman. Maybe a senator. Maybe a governor. Then you become president. You don't just fucking go on a TV show to become president in the United States. Good luck to Kane. What a week of wrestling TV this week. Let's get right into it. Let's get in some cheers and heels. A shot of wrestling presents here and here. Like I said earlier, this has been a crazy week of TV here, folks. Let's get right into it. Let's start with Raw. I'm going to heal. You know, Ronda Rousey's been with WWE since January, since she debuted at the Royal Rumble. And now here we are in August, and now she's getting her first match on Raw. Now? Not about you, but I'm quickly losing interest in Ronda Rousey, if there's anything left. So, you know, good luck to her. Whatever happens, happens. I don't care. However, I'm going to cheers the revival. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know... I wasn't a fan of theirs when they debuted, but these guys won me over with their great matches, with their great wrestling ability, and those promos, they won me over. I'm a fan of the revival now. But however, they would be on Raw, they would win a match, cut a great promo, and either the next week get squashed by somebody else or disappear for weeks on end. So now I don't want to get my hopes up here. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I'm trying to keep my distance here, but I'm going to follow closely what they do with the Revival because I'm hoping this leads to a title shot and a title victory because they, they, they deserve it more than anybody else. Uh, I'm going to cheers. Thank you, Sonic. Thank you for that great Mr. Perfect tribute video. You know, what a great character. What great vignettes. What a great way to remind the people who weren't around for Mr. Perfect, which is probably most of their audience, who this guy was. And if you do not know who he was, go check him out on the WWE Network because you're going to do yourself a favor and learn about Mr. Perfect, one of the greatest of all time. Now, initially, you know, I didn't like the whole Brock Lesnar thing being interwoven throughout the whole show. It kind of felt that he was uncharacteristically, yeah, that's the word, a dick. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable with it. I didn't feel like it fit him, who he was, who his character was. But then, you know, after a couple of days, I'm like, I should cheers that because that's awesome. That's a different Brock Lesnar. This is a different side of his character. So now I am curious to see where this goes. But Brock Lesnar without Paul Heyman is a huge mistake, first of all. Even though he's probably gone after SummerSlam, but... Oh, still a mistake. But that leads me to my last cheers was wondering, the crowd was chanting in unison, the whole arena in Miami, we want Roman. Now, I don't know about you, but my first thought was Vince McMahon must be loving this. I could literally hear his pants getting tighter. This is what he wants. This is what he's been waiting for two years for. The entire WWE universe at Raw getting behind and cheering and chanting for Roman Reigns. Now, this is unique. This is unorthodox. I'm surprised Brock Lesnar is letting them shit on his character, his reputation as a wrestler, but I guess he doesn't give a fuck. His main focus is UFC. But yeah, that might work in Miami, but I still have heavy trepidations, heavy doubts that Roman Reigns is going to get cheered at Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. So enjoy it while you can now, Vince, because when SummerSlam rolls around, it's going to be a fucking awakening. Oh, we'll see what happens. Enough with the Rawls. We'll on SmackDown. A- Great SmackDown, beginning to end. 
We're going to cheers at opening segment with Carmela and Becky Lynch. Carmela is great. I mean, that her vulnerable, real side of her and then attacking Becky Lynch. You know, plus the return of my girl Charlotte Flair, you know, who not for nothing looks, you know, smoking hot. Oh, welcome back, Charlotte Flair. You've been missed. And no, I, I am one to hate repeating myself, but I got cheers that great Uso promo. We don't get them that often these days. I miss them being champions. I miss them being in the tunnel hunt. But a great, great promo from the Usos backstage. Erwin, the voice, texted me, telling me how he loved how they threw the Rock references. Nice little uh, homage to the Rock there. He liked that, and I did too. I'm sure y'all did too, because it's a nice little touch. I'm going to cheers the New Day on commentary. And their own commentary table. Genius. Great move to go from the commentary table to cutting to, to the New Day commentary table. Oh man, it was great. I loved it. Loved every minute of that. But side heel here, the announcers were surprised when the New Day came out. And they were surprised to see a New Day pancake announcing table right next to theirs. It was right next to theirs. And in fact, the SmackDown commentary table is smack dab in the middle of the ringside. But now it was moved over to the side, making way for the New Day commentary table. Hey, why are you guys acting surprised? You guys saw it happen. Don't give me that BS. They move your table to make room for that table. Fucking acting surprised. Yeah, the two fair exists too, right? Mm. And there's so much good stuff on SmackDown. There's nothing but cheers on SmackDown. Like that great intense promo from Samoa Joe. Now this now we got a rivalry here. Now we got a feud going. This is Samoa Joe I've heard so much about. And he came out this week on SmackDown. And how about cheersing that Randy Orton attack and dismantling of the Jeff Hardy character? Ripped his necklace, walked away the face paint. Oh man, I loved every minute of that as well. And inside cheers. Jeff Hardy's new logo. That's pretty fucking cool. Now I love when people make logos out of their initials. And now not only the logo of his initials, it has his face paint as well. You know, I love the new Jeff Hardy logo. Might have to pick up his shirt, but I don't care about Jeff Hardy, so I probably won't. Let's cheers the Lana Zelina Vega match. Man, was that great. Oh man, was that fantastic. Oh. But I would like to see her hit that tranquilo pose with Andre as well. But you know, she did it in the middle of the ring. Oh, that's fine. But man. Not only was that match good, their rematch was even better. Ten times better later that night in my dreams. Oh, man. What a, re- what a great rematch. Oh, woof. And again, let's cheer Sonic. Thank you, Sonic, for that great Million Dollar Man tribute video. Once again, what a great character. Me and Erwin had a lengthy text conversation about what a great character the Million Dollar Man is. How everyone has a price. It worked in the 1980s. It worked in the 1990s. It would work... In the year 2000, it would work here in the year 2018. It's going to work in the year 2020. Hopefully get Erwin back on sometime soon to talk about his thoughts on the Million Dollar Man character because it's great. So on Raw, we had my favorite, Mr. Perfect. We had SmackDown, one of my favorites, Million Dollar Man. Great week to be Michael J. Putty. And uh, you know, finally, The Miz. The Miz is awesome. What a great segment with Daniel Bryan. Oh, man, The Miz is great. I could go on and on about it. There's so much, there was so much content in that promo. I could spend the next hour talking about it. I'm not going to. I don't want to bore you with me rambling on about The Miz and Daniel Bryan, but I thought that was a great segment. It elevated their feud even further. It was just fantastic. Man, SmackDown was great, man. I'll take notes while I watch TV shows of what I like, what I didn't like, but like my notepad was halfway full just after SmackDown alone. I had to cut out a bunch of other stuff. If you missed SmackDown, you missed a great show. Welcome back, SmackDown. But then we move on to Lucha Underground. Once again, I got to ask, why reptiles? Are they supposed to be reptiles? Are they men dressed as reptiles? Because that woman, clearly not a reptile, but she's wearing a mask. What's going on with the reptile? Like, where they come from? I'm going to cheers the whole drama with Killshot 
and his trio's partner, the Mac and Son of Havoc. It's going on for weeks. I like how it's developing week by week by week, telling a story, telling a progression, and um, I'm curious to see where this, this goes next. So keep it up. What does the future hold for the trio's champions? I, I, I want to know. I'm going to heal, though, the main event. You had Brian Cage. You had to pick his partner against Pentagon Dark. He gets to pick his partner. Now, Brian Cage comes out, picks a partner against a guy whose name I forgot last week. Forgot this week. I even fucking wrote it down. But I don't know where I fucking went. But then Pentagon comes out and doesn't even bring a partner. He says it doesn't even need one. Yeah, bro. I understand you want your champion. I understand you want to prove something. But, bro, your brother, Phoenix, works for the same company. He's in the same locker room. You drag his ass out as backup. Then maybe you wouldn't have fucking lost. But, however, Brian Cage in firm control hits the concerto to Pentagon. And uh, not for nothing, as an Edge and Christian fan, great to see the concerto back. You'll never see that in WWE nowadays, so it's good to see it somewhere else. The concerto only on Lucha Underground. So the show ends, and once again, I like how they do a little epilogue, post-show, post-credits. And this week, it was Johnny Mundo and his beautiful wife going into the lair of the reptiles. So I guess it's in some sort of sewer? <sighs> she brutally murders Luchasaurus. I know him as Austin from Big Brother, so I don't remember his wrestling names. I don't know much about him. But she brutally murders Austin with a uh, samurai sword. Cuts his head off. His green blood gets across my screen. So I'm assuming they're supposed to be reptiles and not men wearing reptile masks. I don't fucking know. I'm lost. But it's like the thick and brutal murder in, what, three weeks? Ugh, this is ridiculous. Someone's got to call the authorities. But Lucha Underground, very entertaining. Highly recommend it. If you do not have the L Ray Network, like most people don't, uh, do a Green Man does. I think he said the next day, Thursday, it's available on YouTube. So go check that out on YouTube if you don't have the L Ray Network. Let's go on to Impact. I'm going to heal the OGs, who once again are the original LAX, Homicide and Hernandez. They stole the tag team titles from LAX. You know, spray painted it, defaced it, whatever. But this week, after their match, the current LAX comes out and attacks them. One guy even had a uh, axe with him. Then the OGs come back. But then Conan pulls his man away. Backstage, he calls it a drive-by, just a quick hit and run. But why not take your tag team titles back? You left them in the ring. The OGs were outside the ring, on their asses. You could easily have swiped in, picked up your tag team titles. Hell, even Conan could have done it, but he didn't. Why not? You're the tag team champions. Take your fucking belts back. Ugh. Cheers once again, Scarlett Bordeaux, just because. You know, uh, week in and week out, I'm going to cheers her. Just because. The smoke show, Scarlet Bordeaux. If you have no reason to watch Impact, watch it just for her. Oh, man. Great. Another person I can talk about for the next hour, Scarlet Bordeaux, but I'm not going to. Let's move on. Right quick. I'm going to cheers your main event. It was the Chris Brothers from OVE against the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix. Dude, insane. One of the Chris Brothers sets up for the Tombstone Pile Driver. The other Chris brother climbs to the top rope, jumps off said top rope, hits one of the Lucha Brothers. I don't remember who it was offhand. As the other guy hits the pile driver. They called it a spiked pile driver. Because as the guy's delivering the pile driver, the other guy with all his weight is driving him into the mat even harder. Crazy. Now that was not only crazy, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Because later on, Pentagon Jr., was sitting up for his finishing move called the Fear Factor. His brother Phoenix goes to the top rope 
and jumps on the guy as well and delivers a spiked fear factor. Not once, but twice. Insane. That was just literally fucking insane. I don't know what to do. Yeah, spiked tombstone, two spiked fear factors. What is going on? Great non-stop action. I guess you could say total non-stop action in the main event of Impact. Wow. Wrestling at its finest in that main event. Insane. Insane. So from 8 to 9, I watched Impact. From 9 to 10, I watched a live eviction episode of Big Brother. So from 10 to 11, I watched the second hour of Impact. However, my recording cut off right before Killer Cross unveiled his latest victim. He was in the stairwell. He had his card out. And before he put the card down on his next victim, my recording cut out. So I took the social medias and asked you, the fans, who it was. Dr. Underscore Wombly on Instagram responded back to my post on Impact Wrestling's post itself, telling me it was Santino. But before that, I posted it on my own personal Instagram at Michael J. Putty, and at Colby.Cooper told me it was Anthony Corelli Santino. Those are just two of the names who responded back to me, so thank you for informing me of what I missed. What happens next week? I guess we'll find out. A long struggle with the clip of the week. This week's clip of the week was 3 minutes, 13 seconds. You know, a lot shorter than what it has been. Okay, not great. Making progress, not great. But they did take part of my advice. Because before they threw it to the clip of the week, I've been saying this for a while now, Josh Matthews told us the date of said clip. Thank you. I appreciate that. So now I have the GWN, I can go back and look at it. Because now I know the date and time. Back in 2006, it was Justin Lucian Tiger. I forgot his name. That's the name, right? Justin Lucian? Lucian. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Justin Lucian. Justin Lucian Tiger from Team Japan going against Petey Williams of Team Canada in that three minutes. Wait a minute. Did I just say three minutes? At the end, members of Team Japan hop on the apron and one even climbs into the ring and delivers a low blow onto Petey Williams. Much reminiscent of Chizuki Nakamura. Now, is the low blow a Japanese thing? Like, is that their go-to move in Japanese wrestling? The low blow? Is that not outlawed in Japanese wrestling? Ugh. Impact was great. Which Underground was great. SmackDown was great. Raw was okay. No, Raw didn't suck, but it was, wasn't great. So, it's time for me to pick. So, for the first time, Putty's pick, this week's winner, I'm going to say, hard fought, very close, SmackDown. Which Underground is great. Impact delivers. SmackDown is hit or miss. This week, it was a huge hit. So, this week's winner, Putty's pick of program of the week, SmackDown. Good job to everybody over in SmackDown. Let's see how the ratings played out. This week's Roger, 2.901, which is up 4.4% from last week's 2.779. Raw was number one for the night in viewership on cable and in the 18 to 49 demographic. SmackDown this week drew a 2.401 million, which is up 2.6% from last week's 2.340. It was the best viewership for the show since the May 1st episode. SmackDown was number five in viewership behind Virtual Maddow and you know, Fox News. SmackDown was number one in the 18 to 49 demographic this week because it was a great show. Speaking of Tuesdays, after SmackDown, this week, Miz and Mrs. drew at 1.303 million, which ranked number three on the night in cable in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is down from last week's series premiere of 1.473 million, which ranked number five for the night. You know, the series premiere in the next episode, you're going to see a dip. People tune in the series premiere and see what they say. Of course, it's going to waver off. Now, now we, episode three, maybe four, we're going to plateau here. 
how smoking hot is pregnant Maurice? Oh, beautiful, beautiful pregnant woman. This week, Impact drew a 248,000 viewer, which is down from last week's 299,000 and is a new low for 2018. In fact, it's the lowest Impact viewership going back to the mid-December of 2017. Impact ranked 138 in the cable top 150. Last week was ranked 124. Don't know what happened. Impact was better this week than last week. But I guess it's the steep drop-off from those casual wrestling fans who were tuning into Slammiversary. Now, maybe might plateau here for a little bit, and uh, we'll see what happens. Slammiversary took place in Toronto at the Repel Complex. And then now, next couple weeks of Impact tapings are at the same location in October. Bound for Glory is coming here to Queens at the Melrose Ballroom. So now I'm curious, are there going to be Impact tapings for the next couple weeks at the Melrose Ballroom? Because if I don't get tickets for Bound for Glory, I definitely want tickets to a Impact taping. So go on thoughts. I just watched the, uh, took a pause from the show to watch the recap of the rivalry between Shawn Michaels and Triple H here in this unsanctioned street flight at SummerSlam 2002 from the Nassau Coliseum, which your boy at Michael Chipotle was witness to in person. Now, Jim Ross said there are probably a lot of fans watching this show who had never seen Shawn Michaels wrestle. And to me, that kind of took me back. I'm like, Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest of all time, and there are people who have never seen him wrestle. And now to this day, I'm sure people listening here have never seen Shawn Michaels wrestle. Make sure you check out stuff on the network, especially SummerSlam 2002 against Triple H. But moving on, as we talked about last week, we are on the road to Boardwalk Beatdown. If you are going to be in attendance, make sure you stop by the Shot of Wrestling booth to get a picture and autograph with James Ellsworth. I'm sure Green Man will take a picture with you as well. But last week, episode 127, Green Man was here on Skype and he presented part one of his conversation with Boardwalk Beatdown founder. Now here on episode 128, we present to you part two of that conversation. So Green Man, again, take it away. Michael J. Putty, we are back and we are on the road to Boardwalk Beatdown. Last week, you got all the details on what will be going on in Atlantic City, August 24th through the 25th. And now this week, you're going to be going more into detail with the man himself, Chad, who's organizing this great event. Um, and we're going to ask him the tough questions. We want to know the skinny. We want to know all the details. We want to know how you got the Bullet Club. We want to know who else is coming that's not been announced. We're, we're going to ask the hard questions. So, Chad, welcome back to A Shot of Wrestling. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me back again. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, this event, we're just getting so much great responses from the wrestling community. It's a great thing that you're putting together. So I have to ask you, um, tell us a little bit about your history. What got you into professional wrestling before even getting started with this great event? Yeah, so I've watched wrestling since uh, my first match was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, which I just walked into a room and that was on. And right away, I was captivated by it. Uh, stopped watching during the Attitude Era. Never watched again after that. You know, I just grew bored with the product through the attitude um, era where mostly other people are like craving the attitude era they want that era to be to come back yeah but it dulled you out okay were you ever a like wcw wwe guy where you would go back and forth 
I was a habitual flipper for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then what yeah. got you into the business then? Yeah, you know? so after that, I stopped watching, and then uh, I had a son, and uh, you know, I actually potty trained my son by giving him my autographed wrestling figures, and he would open them up as like his, his gift. Oh, you know, man. Like his, his good behavior gift. And then uh, one day, I just decided, hey, let me put on Raw and see what happens. And, okay. You know, once I put it on, he was hooked. How so, old was your son? Yeah, uh, a little bit before two. <laughs> That's so cool. So then, uh, yeah, so after my son started watching it, we would go to the live shows. After the live shows, I decided, you know, since I already, you know, I, I have a, a uh, decently uh, decent business. And uh, I decided, you know, to, you know, let's try and start getting involved in wrestling. And, uh, you know, I was close with some of the people at WrestlePro and, uh, you know, started working with them and uh, learned a lot there. Left WrestlePro and started to work uh, with uh, SWF. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I'm like, you know, it's time to, you know, start progressing to my own thing. And, you know, uh, my partners, uh, Preacher Phineas James and Arlene James here uh, for Standalone. And, uh, you know, that's how this all started. The three of us got together to launch this. So what made you come together? Was it just a love for the business and actually starting something from scratch? Or did you see something missing in the wrestling scene that you felt like you needed to deliver that you know, to be honest, that's a combination of the both. You know, we're going to try and do some different things that others aren't doing. And, you know, but at the same time, we get caught up. We do get caught up doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. So we just start, you know, focusing more outside the box and being more creative and better storylines. And, you know, as each show goes on, I hope that happens. Uh, but we want to make sure all of our shows are very, very di- diverse from, uh, you know, having a comedy spot to a hardcore spot to, you know, high flying to strong style, you know, just a good mix. So every fan, every fan goes home happy seeing something that they like. I'm glad that you mentioned that because we were the official podcast for Liftoff, your inaugural event. And that is the exact thing that we shared with each other, Michael J. Putty and I were like, that was such a great show you know we go to many shows where you know it's very top heavy where you bring one superstar and then that's the main match that sells the show but i feel like everybody collaborated so well to put off a great product when we left lift off that we were like you know these guys are going to be a success because they have exactly what you just said that was the formula it it gave everybody from the different ages that we saw you know there were kids who are five six years old to you know to older gentlemen females you know grandmas grandpas all 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 there but they all got were able to probably grasp on to a little piece of something that really gave them excitement and joy and that's one of the reasons we like this show too yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's all, you know, I think it's really every promoter's responsibility to really grow more fans. You know, the wrestling world needs more fans. You know, we have to compete with WWE. You know, uh, there's not much competition. And, you know, in the, in the old days, it was, you know, everybody had a territory and everybody ran strong. And, you know, I think we have to build each other up and, and again, create everybody should be creating new fans. Absolutely. Um where then so standalone gets together you and preacher get together and you know start off standalone wrestling where did boardwalk beatdown come into play where mm-hmm. was it your thought was it a collaborative thought how did it happen yes yeah, so uh we're looking at that point to secure new venues because uh, that's that's probably one of the most difficult things I think there is right now. You know, a lot of venues have been burnt by wrestling promoters. Mm. A lot of venues don't want wrestling at all. 
Uh, it's not very uh, profitable for venues to run wrestling shows, and so that that was part of the process. And I'm an Atlantic City guy. I love Atlantic City. I live 10 minutes away. I've been in the business in Atlantic City in the casinos for 11 years prior to leaving. And uh, Atlantic City's having a rebirth. So one of my main focuses is I want to do business in Atlantic City. I want to be part of this rebirth and regrowth. And, you know, I think there's going to be a a phenomenal wave of business coming. You see uh, uh, Ocean Resort just reopened and Hard Rock just opened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want standalone wrestling uh, to, to be part of that. So uh, I walked many venues and uh, reached out to the Claridge and, uh, you know, we were right away able to come up with something for the venue. You know, they had a celebrity theater, which is very intimate, fits about 700 seats. Okay. Uh, they were like, you know what, we want to do something else, too. Is there anything else we could do? I said, yeah, I started thinking about it and brainstorming and. And I'm like, you know what, why don't we do a wrestling convention there as well? You know, make it make it a multiple item type of thing. And they're like, oh, they were, they were like thrilled with that idea. So uh, I thought about it for a little bit and, you know, just start, you know, putting together a plan in my head on how it would work and pitch them the idea. And, uh, you know, it went from there. When you pitch them the idea, did you pitch them who would you want to secure as uh, the draw for those shows? Or To be honest, I had in my head who I would want, but they have no wrestling knowledge. Okay. This is a venue that has no idea about wrestling, what it is. You know, so they're like, oh, yeah, we would love to have the event. You know, they're, they're probably looking at WWE as like, you know, oh, my God, they're going to bring WWE here. Gotcha. You know? <laughs> they don't have that knowledge, but, you know, now they're going to have that, you know, the process to learn. And, you know, we're going to have something to build on here. And build you went. Um, when I talk to people about the event coming together, I uh, I don't know why, but it feels like you're building the field of dreams in, in pro wrestling. You know, <laughs> if you build it, they will come. You, yeah. Because in our early conversations, which will be a little less than a year, I would say maybe 10 months when we started talking about Boardwalk Beatdown, um, you just told me about what was be going to be going on in August. I said, I'm down. Shadow Wrestling is down with you. Let's go for it. Little did we know everything that you had already started growing and sewing into it. Um, so fill us in. Who was the first person that you got signed to Boardwalk Beatdown? So uh, the first person I had signed, uh, I basically did because of you know speculation and rumors, is uh, Goldberg. You know, I had heard uh, from a couple sources that he was going to be in the Hall of Fame and, you know, he's going to have his induction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I, I could be the first person in the area post Hall of Fame to have him. Right. So I, reached out, I reached out to his people and, uh, you know, they were more than willing to put a deal together. And, uh, you know, so I said, you know what, that could be my main guy. And uh, the second thing I wanted to do was the Bullet Club. So mm-hmm. I reached out to Cody's agent and uh, tried to get a deal together. And then it popped up that Ring of Honor was going to run two shows that weekend. So we had to drop the idea. Okay. Well, uh, then I started searching outside of that. And, uh, you know, I thought about Sting. So I saw it and said Goldberg and Sting. Those are two of the most iconic, you know, wrestlers in the business's history. So I said, okay, right there, that's enough. You know, and then, then fill everything else with uh, mid-level, minor guests and let the vendors, you know, bring in the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then the vendors start bringing people in and, you know, every week I'm getting a couple more vendors and the vendors are renouncing more guests. And all of a sudden I find out Ring of Honor cancels their second date. So they're only running the the one night. 
So uh, me and Cody's agent speak again, and uh, he says, hey, listen, you know, they're all available if you want them. Wow. So we were were able to put the whole group together, and uh, then we started adding people. We added Marty and, uh, you know, uh, everybody else, Hangman, and it just kept on coming along and coming along and coming along Mm -hmm. until recently when uh, the firing squad – you know that faction that faction of the bull club came right. through mm-hmm. and got the haku right away you know we already had the other two and uh haku's like yeah definitely you know i'd love to be a part two you know so we had the whole firing squad we had the bullet club and you know the response to that has been phenomenal now you're building this event you already have two great big stars i mean it doesn't get bigger Singh and Goldberg. I mean, especially in the time when you made those announcements, you know, they, like you said, Goldberg was in the Hall of Fame. You know, Sting's a huge name in, in all of pro- professional wrestling. But now with the Bullet Club adding more value to your event, like you must be beyond excited. But you didn't just stop there. You just started adding more and more and more and more talent where it has just really, to me, has become a value to any wrestling fan in the area to go to this event. It truly, truly is. Um, now, you mentioned last week it's only $20 admissions, but then the um, the signing fees for the superstars are also available on your website, and they're not crazy astronomical prices like that I would have expected. Yeah, you know, everything I tried to do here was to keep everything family-friendly. And it's not easy because, you know, there's... There's a cost to bringing all these talents. So I tried my best to balance it to where, you know, they can get in to the convention. They can have a good time. There's going to be plenty of free activities, you know, and meet the talents at the best price I could possibly deliver. You know, so it was a hard balance, but I think I did the best. I think I did the best we could. No, absolutely. You did. And you mentioned last week there's more events to this big boardwalk beatdown weekend you have dinners with the stars you have breakout which is the wrestling show and then the after party um at the end as you're building the whole weekend do you have any doubts any doubts any any doubts you know building this huge weekend for the wrestling community none at all that's amazing man because uh, i'd be freaking the hell out <laughs> it, it, uh, believe me it's stressful every i'm working on this literally 24 7 i probably uh between myself and our team we probably hit eight events during this weekend uh, you know marketing and stuff like that i'm uh, on the phone or on the computer with talents and booking flights and promoting and you know so the stress level is this is the most stressful thing in my life ever for sure yeah but uh we're all hoping it's going to be a big success so with that said is there a possibility for a boardwalk beatdown to next year yeah uh I am pretty much certain it's going to happen. I'm thinking about names already and, uh, you know, a possible change of venue uh, to take it to the next level. And, yeah, I'm 100% for it. Amazing, Chad. Um, Well, it was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better about your background and your you're a fan just like everybody else. And I think that's why this event that you're building is so cool because you have the fans' interest at heart. You have the family's interest at heart. And we've also talked about it being part of an event for everybody to benefit from because you also have outside promotions coming into the event. So how does that work in favor to either the promotion or just the standalone wrestling? How does that collaboration work out? 
Yeah, so my concept with the uh, promotions was, uh, you know, really to work together and uh, build upon each other. You know, if I have this event coming in where, you know, I could bring in potentially a thousand, fifteen hundred fans, you know, my goal is a thousand. Every single promoter now has a chance to sell themselves to those fans. So let's say, you know, Warriors of Wrestling or SWF or Game Changer, you know, they have fans coming up to the tables. Mm-hmm. Sell them on your product. Yeah. You know, so now if you get 10 new fans to your show, you know, each time you could grow upon that. And, uh, you know, in the back in the back end, if they're sharing, you know, that they're going to be at Boardwalk Beatdown, hopefully that's attracting five or ten of their fans to come to Boardwalk Beatdown as well. So it's really building uh you know the beginnings of something to do you know with all other promotions uh, i messaged i talked to you about this in private but you know again you brought up year two year two i would love to do you know interpromotional matches and you know we want to do seminars and we want to have other shows as well not just one show we want to really build this up to a big three-day event versus you know basically one and a half yeah now I've I've talked with uh, a lot of talent on the show during our interview segments, and we've always said it that wrestling is great when the promotions put the product in people's hands, and that is exactly what you're doing. But you're also allowing the fans, you know, to help promote and push that product and feel like they're they're part of it. You know, like it's not just you know standalone wrestling presents Boardwalk Beatdown, but I feel like everybody is making this event happen. Very similar to All In, the success of all all in is going to be you know when everybody comes together and promotes professional wrestling not just you know three guys and and this is amazing i am looking forward to it um where could everybody get tickets uh and any other information that you have like your social media handles give us all your details sure so uh tickets standalone wrestling.com buy tickets our facebook is facebook.com slash standalone wrestling our Twitter is twitter.com SAW Pro Wrestling. And our Instagram is standalone wrestling as well. Awesome, Chad. Thank you so much for joining us now the second week in a row. Um, let's do it three times. So next week, why don't you come back and fill us in on just like random, frequently asked questions that everybody already has and just answer them and do a quick Q&A for us. Do you mind? Absolutely, that would be great. Awesome. I'll, I'll we'll talk to you again next week, brother. Thanks so much. Man, if that doesn't get you hyped, I don't know what will. Boardwalk beat down in Atlantic City, August twenty fifth to the twenty sixth. Make sure you are there by hook or by crook. You don't want to miss it. So not only is that on our plate here on Shadow Wrestling. You know, we are love all, serve all. If you need help in the dating scene, we have our friend Eric Jaden waiting to dispense his love and dating advice. So make sure you dial it up, 619-343-3005, or you can email us at inbox at a shot of wrestling. Any love questions, any love advice that you need, he's waiting to answer your call. We're going to gather your phone calls. We're going to gather your emails and hopefully release sometime soon another episode of The Love Hotline with Eric Jaden. So keep those questions coming. But that's it for me, folks. I'm going to go downstairs to the bar, finish watching Triple H Show Michael's SummerSlam 2002 with Mike the Bartender. Maybe sing a couple karaoke songs, blow off some steam from the shitty, shitty week I had. But before I do that, let's wrap things up here. 
Get involved in the conversation. Make sure you like us on Facebook, A Shot of Wrestling. A Shot of Wrestling on Instagram. Shot of Wrestling, no A on Twitter. Your comments, questions could be read on next week's episode or inbox at shotofwrestling.com. Dial up 619-343-3005. Any questions you want to ask us, any concerns you want to tell us, tell us we suck. Dial it up. Bless it for me. So for the Green Man, for Joe Gacy, I've been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week, putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last Last call call at at the the bar. bar. Oh. All right, everybody, we have made it to the end of the episode, and it is last call with Joe Gacy. Now, Joe, this is how it's going to work. Rapid fire questions. The first thing that comes to your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready to give it a whirl. All right. What is your favorite adult beverage? Um, oh, um, reds, a can of red cider, probably blood orange oh, flavor. Fancy. What is the best feature on a woman? Uh, eyes. Other than wrestling, what is your favorite sport? Honestly, I don't watch too many sports. Um, if I had to pick, I'd say football only because I used to play football. All right. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? All time McFoley. He's the one that got me into wrestling, like. But before that, I mean, after that, William Regal. So okay. Kinda what close. is your favorite WrestleMania? I would have to say WrestleMania 17. Okay. What fad or trend do you hope comes back? <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't mind collecting Pogs again. Oh, dude, that was so fun. Yeah. yeah. I loved Pogs. Yeah. Good one. Uh, what is your favorite song? Oh, that's a tough one, too. Um, currently... I would probably have to say uh, Lethal Combination by a band called the Wombats. What is the first thing you will purchase with a big WWE paycheck? <laughs> um, maybe a house. If I get like, you know, enough to buy a house. All right. Let's, let's hope you do. Uh, Joe, yeah, you too. survived last call. Thanks for being a guest on the show. You've been super awesome. And we'll see you at Boardwalk Beatdown. Can't wait. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody.